Hello, welcome to the Session 6 Sport Performance Podcast powered by Weight Endurance. I'm your host, Cody Waite, sitting across the table here from my wife, Kathy Waite. Hello, everybody. We are back. Uh, this podcast is brought to you by our 2020 Base Builder Program, taking you through our annual off-season base training thought process and training progressions to make you a fitter and faster rider by spring. So we are into uh, our 15th year um, of our Base Builder Program, and it's kind of cruising along pretty well here. We're already into block two. Yeah, we had to come back into cold weather in Denver and start our athletes back in block two. Yeah, and funny enough, we got um, snow off track. Yeah, we had snow a snow storm. day on Tuesday. We, I think we've only canceled one other time. Maybe never. And and so, no, I remember at least once. Just once, okay. Over. Yeah, that was sort of a bummer way to start our block two, but... It, it just didn't feel safe to have people driving to the gym. And we figured more people, a lot of people potentially could end up missing the test because of that. So mm-hmm. we just pulled the plug. And then unfortunately, then Thursday was Halloween. So we a lot of our dads and moms yeah, ended up had missing to stay it home anyway. For, for, yeah. Uh, yeah, so it wasn't Halloween. Or maybe people intentionally skip the test because they get test anxiety. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I guess that could be true. Yeah, and actually while we're on that topic real quick here, when it comes to testing... Whatever it is, if it's our protocol or anybody's FTP test, whatever, it's like it, too many people tie their like self-worth into those tests. I've never done that. <laughs> and get too wound up and like stressed out about these tests. And it's one thing to be like, quote, stressed or nervous about the looming like discomfort, I suppose, especially in our tests with the, the one minute and four minute anaerobic power intervals. Mm-hmm. I mean, those those hurt. There's no way around it. But... When you say, like, the result, the, it's like the the results are what they are. I know, but I can relate to that anxiety because I, I worry that all the work I put into the six or eight weeks of the training block are going to count for not enough if I don't test better. And so I wrap, I wrap a lot of expectations into the results and that, that's okay. not fair like they didn't if i don't test well that day it doesn't mean i didn't train hard right or that but i not. have done that yeah like, i've had those thoughts so i can relate to people being nervous yeah i mean it's just yeah it's just it's human nature I mean, one of our members uh, melissa who is a teacher herself wondered if we could come up with a different word for it instead of testing oh like, you're the teacher you should come up with another word yeah that's not a bad idea <laughs> Just so that it reduces test anxiety for people. Yes, there's a lot of test anxiety, but I'll please everyone just like, you know, don't tie your self-worth into what your, you know, FTP is or whatever. Just get it done and we move on. Um, Because if nothing else, it was a good workout. Yeah, exactly. If nothing else. And, And learning. I mean, if you're newer to the testing protocol, a lot of it is figuring out how to do it. Um, so it's like another test under your belt and the next one will be better. Um, yeah, we had a few new new people show up this week, and it was their first time doing the testing. And they we we chatted with them afterwards, if if you remember. And um, most of them felt like they had a lot to learn about the testing part of it. So if you're feeling the same way, if you did it on your own this week and you felt like you didn't quite meet your potential for the test, don't worry about it. You'll you'll get better as you do it. Yes, absolutely. Um, all right, so we're into episode 14 of our podcast here. We actually we're, we, we have a new mic to try, and we hopefully we have it on the correct settings this time. So hopefully the audio quality is gradually improving. 
um, we're trying our best here to kind of figure this stuff out. So um, send us a note if you care to, to let us know like that was better or that was worse or it's no different. (laughs) Yeah, we flubbed it last week, but I think we got it this week. Yeah, so hopefully it's getting better. Um, So episode 14, uh, the main topics here we want to cover are aerobic threshold training because that's what we're going to be focusing a lot on for the next seven weeks or so in the second block, block two, um, as well as um, kind of like the whys and the importance and values of the cadence drills that we do. We'll touch a little bit on that. And then as always at the end, we'll um, cover like the specifics of our remote base builder program, um, which is going into week 11 this coming week. So, um, so yeah, I mean, what have we been up to? I mean, the main thing is we got our in-house trainer sessions going again for the 15th year. Yeah, we we took a break from our training because we were tired from our big rides last week in Arizona. Yeah, I haven't ridden in five or six days. And I only just jumped on the trainer in the noon class yesterday but didn't really do the test. I was just spinning it out, and I'll do the test with you on Sunday. Right. Um, Yeah, so we did some strength training, and that was about it. And we were just busy working. Kind of a busy week, yeah. Getting everyone geared up for our in-house space builder program. Um, and working those kinks out and getting everyone set up and kind of moving along there. So, yeah, I guess we weren't really up to... Nothing exciting. Nothing exciting. That's busy. It was a busy That's normal, right, for right. most people. Right. Um, well, cool. Let's. We have a few questions, I think. Yeah, we haven't had time in the last couple episodes to read and answer questions that you all have sent in. So we are going to take a few minutes to answer three questions. Okay. Thanks for those questions, everybody. If you um, want to send in your questions, you can do it either by emailing us or by posting a question on our forum. And how do they do that? Uh, well, you can email us, um, Cody, C-O-D-Y, at session6.com, or Kathy, with a K, at session6.com. Or you can go onto our forum, and we answer all the questions um, there as well. Mm-hmm. And that's um, at our website, endurance.session6.com forward slash forum or just use the drop down or the the main menu navigation um, forum and it takes you there and there's different categories and you can ask questions and answer them and then other members if they want to can engage um, and that's slowly picking up picking up yeah. some speed we're getting some some good questions in there and then yeah well each week we'll or most weeks we'll try to pick a couple of questions that we think might be others of you out there listening may or may not be or may be thinking about and hopefully answering many people's questions at once so I think you wanted me to start on Jack's question. Sure. So Jack Boltz is a longtime friend and supporter of Session 6. So thanks, Jack. He actually stopped into the facility about a month ago and asked me this question. And I said, whoa, 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 this is a Cody question. You better just email him. So here's the question. Hi, Cody. It seems there is a lot of buzz about sweet spot training lately. And I wanted to get your thoughts on it, pros and cons, and if your base builder program addresses it. Uh, yeah, good question. And yes, ba- uh, sweet spot training is a, a popular topic, particularly this time of year, kind of during the base training season. Yeah, it's been sort of confusing to me. Like, what does sweet spot mean? Yeah, so why don't we start there? I mean, sweet spot, as a rough definition, um, it's basically training just under your anaerobic threshold or your lactate threshold or your FTP, depending on what terminology you Just you under your FTP. Just under. Typically, I think the, I mean, everyone has their own like, you know, unique little percentages, but it's, I think roughly, let's say 90 to 95% of like one's FTP or of your anaerobic 
power. So if you have a power meter on your bike, you, you would do intervals in that window. Right. And so it's more focused on your power output and not your heart rate? Correct. But if I don't have a power meter, how would I do sweet spot it's training? It's probably less beneficial at that. Yeah. Because okay. it's a fairly narrow window. And it's the concept behind it is that it's less intense because it's just under your anaerobic threshold or under that FTP. Um, so it's less intense than doing anaerobic threshold intervals, okay, which are difficult and oftentimes require extended recovery, you know, a couple of days, two, three, four days of recovery. Um, so the theory is if you train just a little bit under that, you're getting many of the same benefits of training just 5% higher, but it's not quite as destructive from a recovery standpoint, meaning you could do it fairly frequently throughout the week and for several weeks. Um, you know, it's very popular, especially indoors when you're stuck inside, you can, hit that higher intensity closer to that thre- anaerobic threshold FTP in that sweet spot range and it doesn't take tons of time so you can do you know an hour hour and a half workout accumulate I don't know let's say 30 to 60 minutes worth of sweet spot training and kind of recover fairly easily and move on and maybe do it the next day or certainly two days later again and kind of repeat it so I think it's a great strategy for if you're all your training's inside. You're trying to just sort of get a lot of, I guess, sort of higher intensity, low intensity training, if that kind of makes sense. Um, what would the cons be then? Because I feel like you addressed the pros there. Yeah. What about some cons? So the cons, in my opinion, is that it's still hard work. If, mm-hmm. if not hard, it's moderately hard work. Um, it's certainly not... The lower intensity aerobic work that we've suggested over the last several weeks, and it's still even higher intensity work than our aerobic threshold work that we'll talk about here later in the show. Um, so it's still it's still, in my opinion, a lot of work, and you're kind of I don't know if shortcutting is the right word, but not getting all of the benefits of the lower intensity aerobic training, meaning. Meaning, with the sweet spot, you're still burning large amounts of carbohydrate mm. calories as opposed to the fat calories that with the lower intensity aerobic work we did in block one that, you know, dug into that deeply. Even our aerobic threshold training that we'll be doing now in block two is still a large percentage of fat for fuel being mm-hmm. that's a little bit lower. And then all those mitochondrial and all the benefits coming from that low-intensity aerobic training, I feel like it sort of skipped over um, right. when someone focuses a whole long period at sweet spot. So okay. it's not my favorite. Um, you know, and it's kind of just to sort of wrap it up here, it's like there are, there are more or less sort of two schools of thought when it comes to aerobic training or, or base training in general for cycling. And the one school is the sweet spot school where it's like this moderately high intensity and you just accumulate more and more minutes and, you know, kind of boost things up. And it does work. Um, And then the other method is more of this polarized training um, concept where, to summarize that roughly, it's like 80%. So the majority of your training is like done at very low intensities, those low aerobic heart rate training intensities and maybe only 20% or so of your work is then done at very high intensity so you're training well below sweet spot training in the most of the time and then when you do go hard it's like you go really hard you go okay. you do vo2s you do anaerobic power you know whatever really high intensity and both methods work i mean the 
you, no one can say one's better than the other or, you know, anything like that. So mm. it's it kind of depends on the athlete, how much time you have. I guess what interests you as it, well. Exactly. What gets you on the bike more? I mean, if getting up to do sweet spot day after day excites you and gets you on the bike to work more, it's probably the way to go for, for you, for that person. Right. But I feel like I was stuck doing that effort of training for years, trying to keep up with you oh, and some of yeah. your friends, right? our friends. Um, and I never really developed the aerobic base that I... Because you're always pushing. Yeah, I was always pushing just a little bit too. Bit. Extra, yeah. yeah. So I was fatigued quite a bit. I was... Yeah. Yeah, and I don't think I really built those mitochondria and the capillaries and all those... Um, oh, definitely, I'm not a fat burner, even though I'm skinny. We learned <laughs> that last weekend, or last week in Arizona. So... Um, for me, I think I'd want to avoid sweet spot training and, and do the lower intensity. Yeah, I would say in general, if someone's like, I've got, I want to be as best as I can be and I've got one year to do it, I'd probably mm-hmm. have them do a lot of sweet spot training. Okay. But if they're like, I, I'm a cyclist, I want to be cyclist for many years, I want to continue to improve year after year after year, mm-hmm. skipping that low intensity aerobic and aerobic threshold work is a mistake. Right. Because that's where all the really like, infrastructure of blood vessels right and i think that's what i didn't quite and get and now i'm going back to do it now yeah which is okay like i did become a good cyclist quickly but now i want to go back and do yeah. like the infrastructure the yeah the foundation yeah hmm. so it's a great question and to address i think he said something yeah, about is, is inner, our base builder program yeah including we, it our base builder program certainly does not focus on it however we do touch on it um in my terminology we call it our two hour power so with the thought that if you did a two-hour time trial, that power, that effort you'd settle into is more or less that sweet spot range, which is about, depending on your fatigue rate, let's say 5 to 7, 8, 9% below your 64-minute power, mm. which is your anaerobic threshold power, which often aligns with FTP, if that makes sense. So it's a little below the FTP. Um, and we do do that actually at the very end of this block we're in now. So we're going to do... Um, several weeks about six weeks of aerobic threshold training and some aerobic threshold strength training and then the final couple of weeks we will do some training at that two hour power that kind of sweet spot range okay um and they i like it right there at the end of that block because it's a great bridge between the lower intensity aerobic training and the higher intensity anaerobic threshold and above okay training that we do in block three so i that's how I look at that. Is it's like just a nice bridge between low intensity and high intensity. Yeah, that makes sense. And that's to how me. we keep it in our program. So. All right. Cool. Good question, Jack. Thanks for um, sending that in. Yeah, definitely. Um, let's see. I've got a question here um, from Mr. James Kennedy, also taking part in our baseball ah, program. Jim stopped by the gym on Tuesday. Yeah, that's what that he was said fun here to meet him in person. In the email. Um, yeah, he's a first first year base builder program person, remote base builder program person with us. Um, he had actually a couple of little questions, but one I want to specifically focus on. Um, he said, I tried to I tried to start the Thursday workout, but for personal reasons did not finish. I'm going to retry today. When trying to balance a certain RPM with certain watts, that is hard, especially given things are being done at minute intervals. What should I focus on if not perfected if i have not yet perfected the balance of the two so balance between his cadence and his power yeah yeah so i think um and i think this is a good question because i think 
many people following our program can kind of relate to this and and this could help others as well um so i think what he's getting at is he's doing the um the cadence drill so i'm assuming it's the spin-ups and or the ilt drills we're going to talk more about those coming up here um and he's saying i think what he's asking is like what should he focus more on the rpms the cadence Mm -hmm. or the power targets that are supplied in the training program exactly Yeah. yeah Ding, 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 ding. I won. Right. You, yeah. you got it. Good. Um, yeah, so in, in a quick nutshell, because we're going to talk more about this in a few minutes, um, it, when you're doing these cadence drills, um, cadence is what you want to focus on. The resistance is extremely low, and the numbers that are being sort of calculated and prescribed to you from training peaks and onto your training platform, if it's Swift or whatever you're using at home, um, are just sort of estimates. The watt numbers. Yeah, the watt numbers. Because it's going off of a percentage. If you're using erg mode, it's going off of a percentage of FTP and then estimating watts. And they're, they should be quite low. It's it's usually like 25% of FTP, mm-hmm. which is very little resistance because we're focusing on the cadence side of things. So he should not look at the Don't even watts. worry about the Don't watts. worry about the watts. Yeah. Look at your... Your cadence output, your cadence sensor reading only. Right, because that's what we're training here. We're isolating that, developing that leg speed. Okay. And the power at this point doesn't matter. So um, just focus on the cadence. Hit those target cadence um, cadences as best as you can, and um, you'll be good to go. Like I said, we'll talk more about that in a f- few minutes coming up here. All right. Thanks, Jim. All right, the last question is from Ruben, and Ruben is also a longtime participant in our program. And um, he listened to our nutri- he's a faithful listen- listener to our podcast, which is really cool. And this question is relating to the podcast that was about nutritional periodization. Okay. So it says, Cody, I just finished, finished listening to your nutritional periodization podcast. I thought it was a good big picture description. What gram per kilogram of fat, protein, and carbs do you advise? How does one weigh things? Guesstimate? A real food scale? Look on the package label. Should the kilograms be my ideal weight or my current weight? Lastly, do you plan on race day, a podcast on race day nutrition and hydration? I need it. I need to train my gut also. <laughs> yes. Most people do need to train so their gut. So let me hand this to you. There's a lot of questions. A lot of little questions yeah. there, yeah. So let's take, do the first one, or the last one first. Um, yes, we do plan on having a race day nutrition hydration podcast. That'll probably be closer to the, like the end of winter or springtime as mm-hmm. we get closer to racing here in the northern hemisphere. Um, so we will do that. Um, and yeah, Ruben, thanks for the question, um, and congrats on your starting your, he, he did the test with us oh, yeah, that was on Thursday cool. and he's starting out higher than he was last yeah, I year. I think he time. said 15 Watts for his, oh, I think it was the four minute power. Yeah. So it's great. Significant. He's, he's, uh, starting out at a higher level this year than he has in previous years. So that's always a great way to progress. So good kudos to you, Ruben. Um, but yeah, to get to your question, it sounds like you're, so our, our nutrition periodization podcast, um, I think was episode 11 or 12, um, and we talked about designing kind of what you're consuming for food around what you're doing for training and activity. Mm-hmm. Um, and it sounds like he's getting into it, which is great, and probably using the MyFitnessPal app, which we recommended um, to use. 
based on his questions of like ratios of carbs, protein, fats, um, and weighing things. Um, so for, I think a lot of this nutrition stuff is a little tricky to be very individual. So we're going to speak in very like general one size fits most people scenarios and, and numbers. Um, so right now, while we're in this like lower intensity base building, um, strength building, you know, we're doing a lot of heavier weightlifting or starting to at this point, um, that the ratios would be a little bit different. Um, I think for me personally, what I kind of target is roughly the sort of 40, 30, 30 zone ratios this time of year. So that's 40%, um, carbohydrates, 30% fat, 30% protein. Okay. That's definitely much higher protein, um, than I would suggest like when we get into higher intensity work and really like the race season, I'd lower protein up carbs, um, and really keep fat. Fat almost, in my opinion, should stay the same more or less year round or right around 30% of Mm -hmm. your calories. Um, and what sort of changes is the carbs and the protein. So if we're doing lower intensity work and not a lot of volume, like this time of year, we don't need a lot of carbohydrates. Um, so that can be lower to like that 40%, give or take. And thusly, protein can go up because we're also doing a lot of strength training. Um, so why not add a little extra protein there? And then as we shift into higher intensity work coming kind of late winter, spring, um, you'll want to periodize that and adjust things, get a little more carbs to fuel the higher intensity training and then okay. as volume goes up. So I don't really have like a gram per kilogram. I mean, there's a lot of resources online uh, for that, but I, I feel like it's out of my authority range, I guess. Well, that might be a good question. He could ask Christine Zimmerman, who is a friend of his as well, and we'd like to have her on the podcast at some point to talk more details. Yeah, that's a great idea. Her background as a dietitian would be very appropriate. Yeah, that is a great idea. So stay tuned there, or you can chat with her next time you see her, Ruben. (laughs) Right. Um, um, what about his question about weighing things and, yeah. and putting that into the like the app? Yeah, and that's a great question. So using the app, um, and I'll go, I use the app quite a bit periods throughout the year, and I'm kind of focused on a little nutrition challenge for myself um, right now. Um, and so when weighing things, um, you can just use a basic food scale, digital food scale, or I mean even an analog one. Um, What's great, though, is after you do it for, like, a week or maybe two weeks, you start to be able to, like, look at food and know what what the amount is you're consuming. Mm. Um, right. Because most people eat, within a two-week cycle, most people eat more or less the same thing. Um, and you just get familiar with, like, what's what. Um, also, you know, like, serving sizes are often, like, a handful of something. Um so that's one way to do it. Um, you know, so that's sort of a guesstimate, like he said. Um, food scale, looking on package labels is certainly a good way to get serving counts. It'll tell you, like, how many grams of um, the pretzels or whatever yeah. um, is the serving. Okay. And then you can literally, well, like, weigh it out. Oh, right, right, right. Uh, but are you weighing things right now during your nutritional challenge? Right now, just for fun, I am. Yeah. Okay, I, I go through. Seen you do that. Yeah. Well, I mean, I've done this for years, so I kind of have most foods, unless it's some kind of newer food, or I'm just can't remember. I'll weigh it, but okay. um, I kind of have a pretty good idea of just having done it for so when, long. What's this challenge you're doing right now for yourself? For myself, 
Um, so right now, this period, like block two, my personal <laughs> your goal. Your face just lit up. I, 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 I love talking about question. and diet and body composition changes and stuff. So what I want to do personally, and actually, I mean, I would recommend this for everyone um, or most folks, is right now, November, December is like the best time to get down, like, if you have some weight to lose, the best time to lose it is now. Now, of course, it's a little tricky around holidays and whatnot. People like to use that as a excuse, but it's really not that difficult unless you're, like, going to holiday parties every week for the next eight weeks. But um, my goal is to really, f- I'm going to up the strength training just a little bit personally, build a little extra muscle, um, and I'm going to be really strict on my diet, upping the protein a little bit more than I have in the past to help with this extra strength training. I'm not going to do a lot of volume right now because we just finished our kind of fall foundation miles where I actually did get quite a bit of volume, probably the most I've had, honestly, in the months of September, October in many years. Um, so I feel like I've got that pretty solidified. So now I want to sort of drop the volume, focus on our aerobic threshold training in the trainer studio, strength training. I'm going to add a third day of strength training and then um, really just hone in on my diet and make sure I'm eating no more calories than I need and really focus on the whole the quality like, of the quality. Calories. Yeah. The, the macronutrient balance, kind of that 40, 30, 30, like I was talking about. Um, and then just see if I can in eight weeks have like a noticeable body composition change. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll see. I mean, it's not like I'm not carrying a whole lot of extra weight as it is, but I do feel like if I can come into January, you know, as strong as possible from the strength training mm-hmm. and as lean as possible from good diet habits, then I can execute the high intensity intervals that come in January, February without trying to, you know, change my body composition yeah, yeah, that at that point. Sense. Um, because I'm going to start racing or we're going to start racing as early as March. So mm-hmm. I want to be kind of close to my race weight by January and then be able to train really hard January, February, and then whatever those last couple pounds for like the quote unquote race weight will be easy to lose as I add some longer rides in spring. So that's kind of my little Well, I like challenge. it. I, I went to Costco today and texted you, hey, I'm going to Costco, any last minute request? And it was basically... Your request was just that I didn't buy crap. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, specifically, probably like tortilla chips, pastries. Yeah. Because you know that you can't quite control yourself when they're here. If it's and in the I, house, I have a really hard I didn't hard buy anything. Yeah, I, thank I, you very much. I bought much. sweet potatoes. I was very excited they had those back yeah. um, on the shelves. And lots of produce and lentils and beans, some cheese, you know, things like that. So... Um, yeah, I mean, you're going to feel better if you eat quality food. So Yeah, yeah. And I, I, I'm going to give myself an out on Thanksgiving Day. <laughs> and, it, I mean, we don't go to too many holiday parties because... No, we stopped getting invited, yeah. I think, because we're not... <laughs> <laughs> we're not very fun. We, we're the first people to arrive and the last... Or, the first ones to leave. And the first ones to leave. And then often we indulge too much in whatever libations. And, yeah, well, I do. For, and then we don't feel sure. well the next day. <laughs> so... <laughs> Right, don't invite us. We don't want you to. Right. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of my, my goal. So it's a lot of vegetables, complex starchy foods like sweet potatoes and things like that for the little bits of carbs I need. And then the main thing, honestly, is going to be upping the protein a little bit because we, we don't eat a lot of meat as a family. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So I'm going to put a little extra emphasis in like a little extra fish and, you know, splurge on yeah, some high quality Yeah, I pulled meat. the um, egg, what do you call it, like the egg maker? The, the like hard boiler? Yeah, the, hard, the little egg thing. I pulled it out the other day and made four soft boiled eggs, which turned out to be more like medium boiled eggs. But those were really nice just to grab like today before we sat down here to do the podcast. I was hungry and had one last egg to eat. Yeah. And I should do that more often instead of grabbing a, like a piece of toast. Right. Yeah. Especially now that, because we're not going to be riding much. We're going to be lifting weights a little bit more. And then come January, February, you can bring the extra toast in. And the starburst. And I guess the starburst. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, thanks for the questions. Keep them coming. It's fun to, to chat about them. Yeah, definitely. Uh, let's see. So let's get into the main topics here. I, I want to have us kind of touch on sort of some training concepts and targets. Um, the last episode, 13, we talked about kind of the block two objectives and how to execute the training. Now, I think we just cover a little bit like kind of the whys and just little insights and tips on that. Um, so in this block two training, um, two kind of two things that we're focusing on. Cadence drills, and we do that through three different kind of uh, exercises, spin-ups, uh, ILTs and high cadence spins um, and then also aerobic threshold training because a lot of people I don't know if it's say a lot but some people get um, don't quite understand the concept of that and like what it is so I just wanted to talk a little bit about that um, so where should we start with the yeah the, the cadence drills are very interesting to me because I think they just really change someone as a cyclist it, it makes your stroke more efficient and more smooth and prettier looking and but people ask us all the time like why and i'm like yeah. uh, so why don't you okay why don't you ask, answer that question yeah i'll try my best so um yeah and another thing with cadence drills is they're a great thing to do when you're indoors on a trainer mm-hmm. um, because it's a very controlled environment and you need to somehow warm up on the trainer and you need things to do so your ride isn't just 30 minutes long you know, to stretch it out. So why not do these cadence drills? They're, they're super valuable. So, um, so essentially let's, I mean, let's start at the very basic of all things like what cadence and cycling, like how does it interrelate? Um, I mean, really when you're talking about producing power on the bike, that's typically the ultimate goal. And when someone's training for bike riding so they can produce more power, um, at a given duration and power, if we go back to like high school physics class is basically, force times velocity equals power if i remember correctly it's it's basically that so in cycling terms it's how hard can you push on the pedals that's force or how big of a gear can you push okay that's the force side and then how quickly the velocity there has to do with the rpms the leg speed how quickly you're spinning the pedals around and that those two things together create more power so you can either push harder on the pedals at the same cadence, or you can stay in the same gear and just pedal faster, higher cadence. Either one will result in more power. And then, of course, if you can do both, that's where you start to see really big gains. So cadence drills, they do make you more efficient, more fluid, more pro-looking, you know, more comfortable on the bike. Uh, but it's just a, it's, it's a very important piece of that power production equation. Um, so it's a great time when we're indoors on the on the trainer to we have the ability then to isolate um, these cadence drills and kind of take everything else out of the equation, meaning you don't have to push hard on the pedals at all or have much resistance. 
um, on the trainer and do these various cadence drills that work typically at higher cadences than you're sort of accustomed to or comfortable with. Um, so it's a great way to do it. So the cadence drills we do in our program, in the trainer, um, they, and they do work. You can do these outside, but they're the most effective indoors on a trainer. Um, are we start every workout with the spin-ups like we talked about in the last episode. Um, so a good example of, of our spin-ups is we start with very low resistance. So if you're in erg mode, it's like 20-25% of your FTP number, um, which is like, for most people, it's 40, 50, 60 watts. Um, so very light resistance. If you're on a dumb trainer or in sort of like a non-erg mode, it's basically going into your easiest gear. So back in the days before smart trainers and we had fluid trainers and, and the like, I would always shout out to the class, okay, we're going into our easiest gear, small <laughs> chain ring, big cog, and have to use that as the guidance so it's like you have very, very little resistance. And did everyone listen to you? Uh, no. <laughs> Be- why? Because it's It feels it's unnatural. Weird. Yeah, it doesn't feel like you're doing anything. Um, so let's talk, I mean, the spin-ups specifically. So the way we work these is we do, we start out at a low cadence, let's say 80 or 90 RPM, and then we build up higher cadences by 5 RPM. So we have a cadence sensor. So we'll go from, let's say, 90 to 95 to 100 to 105 and so on, upwards infinitely almost, um, at set increments. So sometimes it's a minute long at each increment, sometimes it's 30 seconds, and then when we start getting to higher cadences, you know, it's much shorter, 15 seconds or so. Um, and then at some points we'll work on like just letting it go and see mm-hmm. how high of yeah. cadence you I'm, can hit. What you're you, really good at that. I, yeah, I, I can, yeah, I've, I can get over the 200 mark. Um, but Nate and Sophia, I think took over last year. I remember They're Nate like was like two, he might've even touched in the two twenties, but is I remember the peak? two yeah. teens, like two seventeen. Yeah. So, Nate, if you're listening, good job, buddy. Yeah, that's some serious uh, leg speed for sure. Um, yeah, so the idea here with these spin-ups and it, really any of these cadence drills is you're rem- you you want to remove the force component. So more or less you don't want to produce a lot of power because if you have too much force, too much resistance if you're in too big of a gear and you're trying to do these spin-ups, you can do them fairly well to a certain point. And then what happens is your heart rate starts going up because if you're in, let's say, a medium-sized gear or medium level of resistance, as you're increasing cadence, your power, it's going up. So whatever gear you're in or whatever resistance level you're in, when you're pedaling at 90 RPM, it's your power is one number, let's say 50 watts. If you start picking up the cadence because of that equation, your power is going up. So if you're in too big of a gear or too big of resistance to begin with, by the time you get up to 120, 25, 130 it's RPM, like a work, it's a yeah, you're putting it's a cardio out 200 watts or more. Neuromuscular workout. Exactly, and so your heart rate gets up, so it becomes a your aerobic ability begins to limit and uh, you know keep you from hitting these higher cadences. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you stay with very little resistance, very light gear, you can sort of let those legs spin, and you'll go faster, 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 and to whatever your maximum kind of capability is essentially. Okay. So, in class, what we always see, right, when people are new to these, is, like, it feels awkward and Weird. unnatural. Yeah. Yeah, to be pedaling at these, like, high cadences with, like, little to no resistance. Your butt kind of bounces around in the saddle a little bit. 
you know, everyone reaches a point somewhere where it's like you start bouncing and you just lose that control of being like comfortable and relaxed. And to offset that, the natural tendency is like shift to a bigger gear, give a little more resistance that lets you have something more to push against. Mm -hmm. But that's not the point, right? We want to have very little resistance, very little something to push against and learn to let our legs spin freely uh, to improve that neuromuscular firing of being able to adjust to higher and higher cadences. And you will get better at doing these drills if you stick with it. Absolutely, yeah. And it's noticeable pretty quickly. I mean, the body neuromuscularly learns within a few sessions, like, okay, this is what we're doing. Maybe in the beginning, like hitting 120 RPMs, even for a few seconds, is challenging and in several weeks you'll be that'll be easy and you'll be up to 135 140 rpms um and over time someone who has a really well developed neuromuscular cadence ability can just sit at 140 150 rpms with very little resistance and just spin for minutes but go back again to the whys because there are people that come into class or people that are listening that um, normally on a ride, they're spinning at 70, 75, 80 RPMs. Mm-hmm. And they would also do that in a race. And why why would they want to up that RPM, up their cadence for their normal? Just because then they won't burn their legs out? Yeah, so it's, so it's definitely a balance. So if you, if you have, if you're, the force side of the equation is bigger, meaning you're in a bigger gear, lower cadence, you're relying more on your muscular ability. So you're pulling in, you're using more muscle fibers, uh, more of a, it's usually, but not always, kind of more of a strength athlete um, that does that. Um, versus if you go the other way and you're the rider that's in a little easier gear and spinning those higher cadences, you know, like 100 plus RPM, then you're you're taking out some of the muscular component, the force side, and you're upping the, the velocity or the leg speed side that puts more of a demand on your aerobic system so when you pedal more quickly higher cadences typically your heart rate will elevate so and there's different strategies for whatever it is you're doing for example triathletes will often pedal at a much lower rpm to sort of keep their heart rates in check um, and use more of the cycling muscles and save muscles for running in theory and kind of keep the overall caloric expenditure a little bit lower and so forth but for cycling it's um it's like a it's a balance so kind of the classic gold standard of pedaling on a flat ground or whatever is like 90 rpms give or take um and that would be sort of like the sweet spot yeah the sweet spot of pedaling um so it's really more like when you go to bigger gears lower cadence it's a muscular demand smaller gears higher cadence it's more of an aerobic cardiovascular demand Um, and with our drills, we're just isolating that leg speed, cardio, neuromuscular, high cadence side of the equation. Okay. Um, now, on the other side, we do a different type of cadence drill with our ILTs, our isolated leg training. That's the single leg pedaling. We have the, the main component of the ILTs is... is than the muscular side of things. So the way we do that is we get in a large gear with high resistance, and we pedal to low cadence, around 60 RPM. And for 
one minute, two minute, up to three minutes at a time with like just your right leg or just your left leg. And you're relying then heavily on the muscular side of things. There's almost no leg speed really to speak of at 60 RPM. And you're just relying on getting the, the bigger muscles activated, like your glutes and your quads and um, hamstrings as you pedal the slow cadence. You figure. know what I love about that drill is that it gives you a chance to work on um, both both halves of the stroke. Mm-hmm. Because if you tend to be like just a pusher where you're just going to use your quads and push your heel over the... Mm-hmm. Um, pedal when you're outside riding you don't really have time to think about it but, but when you're indoors and you're doing a one-legged drill you can really think about the push and the pull of the stroke yes yes and start recruiting your entire leg absolutely in fact in class what we what i always kind of shout out and remind people is like for these big gear low cadence isolated leg intervals to think about rather than pushing down on the pedals think about like pushing forward mm, on the pedals. Mm-hmm. And what that usually does for most people is it gets them to drop their heel just a little bit. And you're pushing down. What that does is hits more of the posterior chain. So you get the calves engaged. You get the glutes engaged. You get all the big muscles on the backside of your leg and a little less taken away from your quadriceps. Mm-hmm. So people that push down, you're using a lot of quadriceps. It's kind of like doing a squat and your weight's a little too far forward in your right, foot. right. You're relying more on your quads, but if you get your weight back in your heels, you're using more glute, and that's what we want to use on the bike as much as possible, specifically when we're climbing and time trialing at higher resistance levels, you know, focusing more on the force production side of the pedal stroke, Um, and that's a great way. I mean, that's one of the beauties of that drill, of that isolated Mm -hmm. big gear drill, um, is to really kind of get in tune and really notice that and the cadence is so slow you can really feel it Mm -hmm. you know it's one stroke every second you can really think about feel it and then you can even take it to the next level which is combining it when you really start getting to bigger gears bigger watts doing this combining it with the pull on the handlebar with your upper body as you're extending your knee and hip pushing down on the pedal and that's where like you start to hit really big watt numbers with one leg. And a lot of grunting. We work up to that. Yeah, the bake shakes a little oh, bit. Oh, yeah, a lot yeah. of grunting, yeah. <laughs> Th- those are some of my favorite sessions, honestly, on the trainer. Cause it, yeah, I like them, too. It really... D- it, one thing I like, too, is it kind of, like, brings the work you do in the strength r- in the gym, strength training, squatting, deadlifting, and puts it on the bike and kind of, like, helps that transfer. That, that's how I think about it. Because um, when you're pulling on the bars, extending your hip and knee... As you pedal, it's very similar to a deadlift movement, um, pushing and pulling, upper body, lower body, and it all kind of like comes together. It's kind of cool. Um, so I think that kind of hits the the whys of cadence. Yeah, and you, it, it, I think the bottom line is power production and um, an efficient stroke. Right. Which is related to power production, but like a beautiful, smooth, efficient stroke is what... We, we would, as cyclists, hope for. Um, mm-hmm. It's what I never achieved as a swimmer in triathlon. Yeah. But it's a related topic, right? I oh, could never turn my arms over fast enough. It's I related just to running. couldn't do it. Yeah, running and swimming. So for the triathletes out there, real quick, in running, what's the, the, the power equation? It's stride length. That's mm-hmm. the, how big of gear you have, which takes a lot of strength. And then your leg speed still, like how right. quick your steps are. You want to increase one or the other or both, you go faster. And same thing on swimming. It's 
basically your stroke length, so how far you pull yourself through the water with each stroke, the stroke distance, mm-hmm. and again, the turnover of and your I, arms. Yeah, I could yeah. never turn my arms over. Right. It was just like going through oatmeal. Right. <laughs> I was swimming in molasses. Well, neither one of us were gifted swimmers. So, um, But yeah, it's really cool how it kind of comes together. So maybe we'll talk more about these as we coach people in the gym, in the studio, and then uh, share some... Well, I think the message to send out there to the folks who are doing this from home is if you've never worked on the the skill aspect of a pedal stroke or the neuromuscular aspect, it it might feel awkward. It might feel weird. You might not even like these this year. Yeah, a lot of people It took me a couple seasons of doing these before I kind of fully embraced um, this part of the training. But I'm glad I did because, I mean, I can say... That when I go out for a long ride, like hour-long, six-hour rides last week, it was never my quads that got tired. I, I don't really use my quads that much when I'm cycling. It, it was always my my glutes, my use butt. butt. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I feel proud of that. Like, I learned to pedal the bike the correct way because you taught me. Yeah. And if you can tap into the power from from your butt, from your glutes, right? it's going to extend the uh, capabilities of your quads, like, lasting longer for when you really need it to, like, sprint up a hill or put in an attack or whatever mm-hmm. that power often comes from the quads because it's it's your quick go-to explosive power but so it all kind of use your butt yeah use your butt cool um yeah i think that covers the cadence side of things so let's get into um the aerobic threshold um the shortened version of that is a E-T. So in the training plan, if you're following along, it's a capital A, lowercase e, capital T. That's your aerobic threshold is what we're uh, what I'm referring to. Um, so your aerobic threshold is basically um, gets you right around this balance point in your metabolism between fat metabolism and carbohydrate metabolism. So as humans, um, we're burning a mixture of fat and carbs throughout the day, regardless of what we're doing. If we're sitting on the couch, we're relying mostly on fats, a little trickle of carbohydrates. As we get up and start walking, we need a little more carbohydrates, fat comes down. If we start, you know, jogging down the street, carbs go up even more, fat comes down, we start sprinting, it's almost all carbs with very little fat. So it's this balance of the the two. So this aerobic threshold is this point where you're approximately at, let's say, 50% of your fuel coming from fat and 50% coming from carbohydrates. So it's that threshold of your metabolism. <clears throat> this, for most people, comes at around 80% of your max heart rate. Okay, So it's kind of a moderate type of intensity level. Um, and I'll, we'll refer to this aerobic threshold quite a bit um, in the coming block as a number you want to try not to exceed in terms of heart rate. So that 80%. Um, so for me, I think 145, 146. I think I round it to 145. As yeah, and I think mine is 143, 144. I just try to keep it under 145 and call it good. Okay, yeah. So 145 beats per minute for the next several weeks. Like my goal is to really not exceed that with the exception of you know once a week for very short periods if you want to... Do a, I mean, you can still do a cycle cross, you could still do a group ride, but just try to keep it fairly limited to how much you go over. And because as you go over that, um, you tap more into like your sugar burning capabilities. Um, and we want to kind of 
minimize and limit that right now and maximize our training our body to use fat for fuel. Um, this all this aerobic threshold also correlates energy system wise with what we call our four hour power. So if you were to go do a four hour time trial, okay, the energy system you'd be sort of settling into is typically that aerobic threshold um, energy system. So it's definitely something you could do a long, a pretty long time. You know, four hours is a pretty long time. Um, so aerobic threshold is that balance point. It's our main target. Um, our structured workouts on the bike uh, for the next several weeks are going to be focusing on relatively short intervals, starting out, I think, around five minutes, uh, multiple sets of five minutes at um, the aerobic threshold zone. So the so the way we do that is you take whatever your aerobic threshold number is, in my case, 145, in your case as well, um, and take 10 beats off of that. Hmm. And that'll get you, so in our case, 136, or if you want to keep the numbers easy in your head, 135 to 145 is that aerobic threshold zone, if you want to think about it. So when we're doing our five-minute intervals on the trainer, or even if we do these outside, you want to focus not so much on hitting a specific power, but getting your heart rate, in our in our case, between 135 and 145 for those five minutes. And then take whatever, it's like a minute recovery, recover a little bit, and then go again. So the training and the aerobic threshold, you know, this, this time of the year base training, you want to focus primarily on your heart rate because we're talking about lower intensity aerobic energy systems um, and not so much power. So if you were to focus on power, um, you know, my aerobic threshold power is, let's say, around, um, I think I would guess, because we'll test Sunday, we haven't tested yet, but it, it's probably around 250, 260 watts. And if I were to focus specifically on that power, hold a specific watt number, there's a good chance, especially indoors, that my heart rate would climb above the aerobic threshold so i'd have to back it down anyway if that makes sense so long story short it's like we're focusing on training with our heart rate zones for aerobic energy system training and then take note of what power you're putting out Mm -hmm. because what you want to see over several weeks is that same let's say 135 to 145 heart rate if it's 250 watts now. Maybe in a few weeks, it's 270 watts or something um, like yeah, that. Yeah, that could so be gross. encouraging. Yeah. So the takeaway here with the aerobic threshold training is we're using heart rate monitors. I know a lot of people, not a lot, but some people will poo-poo them and say power is you know everything. Um, power is great. But for aerobic training, a lower-intensity training, I'm much more a fan of... We're, you're training the heart, so why not... Measure the measure heart, the heart right. and then just see what your power is at the end of that interval and look for improvements as you go. I think it's great. The hardest part for me for this type of training is just pulling back and obeying obeying the heart rate rules. Absolutely. That, that requires some discipline, that requires some patience, that requires faith in the, in the, the process, mm-hmm. that there are you know potential for real benefits in the future for it. Yes, because you're you're training your body to rely more on fat for fuel, sparing your glycogen, your carbohydrates, for when you need it, you know, when the going gets really fast or really long. And the, the faster we can go, the more power we can put out while still burning mostly fat or a good 
high percentage of fat, then the more carbs we have for longer and for later, the less nutrition we have to take on board in the middle of a race and those sorts of things. So it's, there's so much benefit to going slower and building that fat-burning energy system. Um, so one little note, though, on what you were saying, like to keep in mind on the spectrum of individuals and how fit someone is aerobically, someone that is less fit or let's just say out of shape aerobically they're going to hit that aerobic threshold pretty easily, pretty quickly. It's not mm-hmm. going to take many watts. And if you're riding outside, it's like maybe the slightest incline might shoot you up over that. So you really have to be willing to slow down appropriately. Now, as you become more aerobically fit, you can put out more watts, meaning you can work harder. So for me to pedal at 145 beats per minute, I'm actually working fairly hard like i'm potentially putting out 250 60 70 watts to for many minutes at this aerobic threshold but someone else might be putting out 130 watts right so i'll see this a lot with people getting into this for the first time and maybe they're a little overweight or a little out of shape and it's like this just riding along Mm-hmm. Their heart rate's already there, and they it's hard for them to, like, well, I'm barely doing anything. Yeah, it's they like, feel frustrated, or they feel like they're not getting a good workout. Yes, yes. We And we saw that personally when we were trying to become more aerobically fit when we were running. I think we told the story running in, another, more challenging for sure. in another podcast, but I, I literally had to walk any kind of incline right, in order to, to obey the heart rate rules and become a, Focus ultimately a better rate. runner. Yeah, yeah. So it takes a lot of patience and you know, diligence, that's, again, another great thing of riding on the trainer for these intervals because you, you if you're, especially if you're in a group, you can't get dropped on the trainer, but even by yourself, you know, it's not, it's just hard for people when they go outside to go sometimes so slowly yeah, to keep agreed. their heart rate in check. Now, with the aerobic threshold, you get to push it right up to that threshold, right up to that aerobic mm-hmm. threshold. So you do get to go a little bit, but even if you're, more out of shape or carrying extra weight, it's still quite easy. Could be too easy. Could quite easily feel too easily. Yeah, too easy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was a tongue twister. Right. But slow down, burn the fat, then you'll lose weight, and then you'll be able to ride faster. Exactly, and that's really what building an aerobic base is all about. Because later in January, February, we're going to turn the screw and start doing anaerobic threshold and VO twos and really working hard, but. If we can get our fat-burning engine really revved up and putting out good power at a moderate effort, then we can really crank it up um, later on. So um, it's really good stuff. And you can see noticeable gains um, pretty quickly. Um, Cool. I think that kind of covers the bulk of it here. Let's get in, as we always do at the end of each show, um, into the kind of the specifics. So if you're following our Remote Base Builder program... um, or you're training with us in-house, we're going to talk real quick about what we'll be doing this coming week. Um, if you're not following our Remote Base Builder program and it, you want to, it sounds good, um, you can still join us for Block 2. We're just getting started on that. Um, we're doing a really nice strength build again. We're doing this aerobic threshold and all these cadence work drills um, on the trainer, or you can do them outside. Um, so definitely hit us up for that. Um, you can go on our website, um, endurance.session6.com, under... Um, the group training, there's a remote base builder tab, but all the there's links in our show notes um, to take you to our website for that stuff. We'd love to have you join us. Uh, we got several new people onboarded this last week, um, 
and uh, the more the merrier. It's pretty fun. So quickly, uh, going in, in the strength room. You're the strength coach. We're just uh, <laughs> we're we're starting yeah, a new block. Yeah, we're just block. starting a new block. We we're a little, little conservative for the first couple of weeks, and we'll just build up um, a little bit more quickly than we did in block one. We're focusing more on the, the increasing of the, the increase of the strength, so higher weights, lower reps as we go along. Right. So the first block, we laid kind of that foundation, got used to things, learned all the movements. Mm-hmm. Now we're doing more of a strength build. So for people that might be starting with us in block two, I think it's advisable, correct me if I'm wrong, mm-hmm. but for them to start maybe actually with the block one Yes, I agree with you. Training. That was a great idea you had. Start with block one. It's more conservative. It's It's a better way to begin right but for those that did block one or you're really good you know comfortable in the weight room um we're going to be start working up to heavier weights over the coming weeks um and also with the push pull movements we're gonna be doing the same movements but whereas in block one we um focused on just increasing the reps and keeping the resistance or weight more or less the same now we're going to gradually reduce the reps and gradually increase the loading again to focus more on strength building yeah we're getting beefy yeah and then the power stuff we introduced a couple new power moves the jumping lunges yep i did those today everyone loves those yep and ball throws we did on monday and i love yeah i love the ball throws so um and you can find all these movements and exercises on our youtube channel uh, again, links are in the um, show notes. But we have a, our YouTube channel has every strength movement, power movement, core movement, everything on that um, for those following along in the program. Uh, and then on the bike, our two times a week structure workouts are consisted of what we just talked about in the show: um, spin ups, ILTs uh, for minute and a half per leg, uh, aerobic threshold intervals four by five minutes. Um, and then finishing with a high cadence spin again to, as a kind of a warm down, but also um, spinning the legs, working on the leg speed side of the equation again. Um, one little note there is make sure when you're doing these spin ups and spins at the end, and the easier ILT is to make sure you are in very, very light resistance. We just can't emphasize that enough. Don't worry about the watts, it's not about producing any kind of force or power, it's about pedaling your bike smoothly and efficiently and working up to higher cadences. Um, and again, this is these, uh, let me think here. Oh, so for the big gear, for the ILTs, it's best to do these um, in slope mode, not in erg mode. So if you have the ability to switch out of erg mode, do it um, so you can use your gears and adjust accordingly. So for those big gear ILTs, you can shift in a apply more or less resistance. Is slope mode the same thing as level mode? Yes. Okay. In our studio, it's called level mode. Ah, but most it. people know it as slope mode. Slope. Yeah, so then you can kind of up the resistance as needed as you get stronger, or if it ends up being too much, you can kind of back it down. Um, and same for the aerobic threshold intervals, because what we're targeting, again, is our that aerobic threshold heart rate zone, which is your 80% of max heart rate um down to minus 10 beats, so that 10 beat range. So they there. should be in slope mode for the aerobic threshold. Yes. Level. So if your heart rate gets too high, then you can like shift a little yep. bit and manipulate it. Where if you're in erg mode, it's going to stick you at 180 watts. And if that gets your heart rate too high, there's not much you can really do about Got it. Got it. Right? That makes so, sense. Um, so you're, it's best done in slope mode. And you can do that on Zwift and everything. So if you're doing it at home. 
Um, and then outdoor rides, if the weather's still good, or just additional aerobic rides indoors, um, getting one or two of those, um, and they're in the training plan as well as suggestions. There's also cyclocross option, um, group rides, things like that. But again, try to keep things at or below that aerobic threshold as much as possible. Um, and also a note, as the weather gets more interesting, at least here in Colorado and other parts of the country, if there, you know, you have like a three-hour ride planned for outside and it snows and that's just not going to really happen, um, what do you do inside? You can either, if you're a Zwift-type person, go get your outdoor ride done indoors on Zwift and just stick to those heart rate regulations and go for it. Um, you can also repeat workouts from earlier in the week Mm -hmm. so do some more you can do it literally load and repeat the exact workout or just take pieces of it and do a spin up and do some several ilts do you know maybe have more time on the weekend so instead of four by five minute aerobic thresholds you do six by five minute or you know you can do some aerobic threshold intervals inside and then finish with the spin so you can um kind of use the same idea or the exact same workout and kind of repeat it on the weekend uh, if you can't get outside or if you're short on time. So um, I think that kind of covers it. Um, so summarize the summary. Summarize the summary. I'm good at that, I've been told. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's it. Um, yeah, I think we did a pretty good job here. Um, right at one hour. Okay. Uh, well, Cody's going to be at Velo Swap tomorrow. so Selling all our, our old stuff. junk. Actually, it's good stuff. It's not even really junk. It's good stuff. Hopefully you can leave most of it or not bring it home. Yeah, I'll definitely not be bringing, hopefully, most of it home. Fellow swap, you're going to get out and ride. Yep. Weather's improving at 50 degrees or something. Yeah. Um, And we will catch everybody next week. Sounds good. Have a great weekend.